Well, Easter has a glory about it, doesn't it? It's such a marvelous day. It's magnificent in so many ways. And it's one of these, one of the days, one of the moments that we're in right now that you, you just wish was not going to end, that it would not have a conclusion. And as I look at the scriptures and as I am about to take you there in one of the most profound and powerful scriptures for an Easter morning, I want you to understand and know Easter glory is in the power of resurrection in you. Easter glory is in the power of resurrection in you. So we turn to that scripture which is noted for you. This powerful word inspired by God to Paul who had come out of a very legalistic faith and when he wrote this was a new man alive in Jesus who had himself experienced the power of resurrection and life who was alive because Jesus was alive. And this is what he said to the believers in Philippi and this is what the Holy Spirit says to believers today. Yet I also count all things loss for the sake of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having my own righteousness which is from the law but that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness which is from God by faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death if by any means if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. I was on retreat with a confirmation class many years ago. It was free time, and when we get to free time on those long weekends, free time is very precious, and the kids take off, and they run and play, and they just have a wonderful time. But one young person in that particular retreat had not run off and gone to play with the other kids. That young person was seated alone. And I became very concerned as I observed that behavior because this person was typically very gregarious, very social, but was seated alone. And I'm trying to figure out well, what's going on. Is, is there sickness developing? Is there illness brewing or has the big H, homesickness, struck and uh, we have to deal with that? So I walked toward the youth 
And as I approached, hands came up and covered tear-streaked cheeks. And when I came alongside, I did not have to attempt to elicit response. Immediately, that young voice said to me, I am so worried about my dad. I am so worried about my dad. He's not a Christian. Now there we were in a retreat setting where we were emphasizing faith for the individual, making it stronger, confirming it for our young people, but that young person was concerned about dad back home. Now I knew dad. He was a great guy. Friendly, outgoing, the kind of person who you were drawn to because of, because of his friendliness and his uh, demeanor. He wasn't an every Sunday worshiper, but he was there fairly often with his wife and children. As I got to know that man, I came to understand that he had religion. He did not have relationship with Jesus. And he was imperiled because of that. And that young child, his offspring, could see and know and be concerned about the father who was supposed to have been the spiritual head of the household. The man was like so many, perhaps some of you who are here this morning, a sameness had crept across his life. There were very slight modifications in his days. Anniversaries came along to be celebrated, and likewise birthdays. There were some holidays, and of course the vacation time. But otherwise, it was the same old, same old, same old. Day after day, no sense of contentment, satisfaction eluded him. He was not truly a happy person. A lot of people, some of us, rush from big event to big event with a sense of anticipation and expectation that the next big event is going to do it for us. It's going to give us that, that lasting happiness that uh, we have wanted so long and has escaped us. But that's the problem with happiness. Happiness has to be replenished. Happiness isn't joy. Joy comes out of a deep well. It's like an artesian well. It just keeps flowing and flowing and flowing. It keeps coming on. Happiness, huh, 
we pursue that. It's so fleeting. We run after it. Big event after big event. Some of us will travel great distances to try to, to find something that, can I say it, really turns us on. And our hope is that we will stay turned on. That the sameness, that the routine that has crept into our lives will be pushed out. But the sameness remains and sustaining joy is not there. Now today, we celebrate the greatest day in the history of the world. There is no greater day than Resurrection Day. Easter is the greatest day in the history of the world, and it will be the greatest day until Jesus returns and he reigns and he rules as he said he was coming back to do. And so we are left with this in-between time. We are left with this period between Easter morning, an empty tomb, a risen Savior, and a walk with the Lord until that time that he comes again and he rules and he reigns forever and forever. Friends, do not let Easter become tomorrow's memory for you. Do not let Easter become tomorrow's history. Something that you look back upon. Easter is never to be viewed in the past tense. Easter is always present and future tense. It is never relegated to past tense. It never holds there. It never is kept there. Easter is an alive event that thrives and flourishes. And so we turn to a great passage of the Word this morning to look and see how that can be true. How can that happen for you in this year 2017, when there is so much darkness across the world, so much that is heavy, so much that is foreboding, how can Easter glory continue for you? How can the fact that Easter glory is the power of resurrection in you become the fact of your life, the testimony, the witness that you have to give? It will become that when you understand that Easter is about you right now. Easter is about you right now. It is about you having an enormity of new ways to live. Easter is not about same old, same old. Easter is not about uh, routine. Easter is not about ruts. Easter is about being alive with resurrection 
power. How many Easter's have you been on the face of the earth? How many times have you been blessed, thrilled to sing, aware that your spirit is soaring when you voiced those great words of Charles Wesley that we opened worship with this morning? How many times have those great words reverberated in your mind and heart? Soar. Soar we now. This moment. This present moment. Soar we now where Christ is led. That's what you sang. Following our exalted head. Made like him. Like him, we rise. Ours the cross, the grave, the skies. And then the conclusion with that great word, Alleluia, Alleluia, which means praise God. Praise God. Easter's distinguished praise, honor, and adoration is for God's glory offered in the name of his Savior Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Last week, I received a phone call from a woman calling to confirm that I would be in attendance or one of our pastors would be in attendance at an event for clergy here in the York area coming up this week. And uh, I enjoyed conversation with her, and uh, she chatted about a, about a couple of other things. And as the conversation was drawing to a close, as it was concluding, she says to me, oh, and Reverend, have a happy Christmas. <laughs> she was in a moment, falling all over her own words, realizing what she had said, and profusely apologizing for making what she sounded like she thought was a grievous error. Well, I tried to, tried to uh, offer her some consolation, <clears throat> and I said to her, it's all right. It's great. I will indeed have a happy Christmas. And the only reason I can have a happy Christmas is because there's been a great Easter. If it weren't for this greatest day in the history of the world, if it were not for a dead Jesus rising to be a living Christ, we're not going to have anything at the end of December. From the crib to the cross to a grave made out of a cave and sealed with a rock to a living victorious Christ, his life 
is defined. It is given meaning. We understand who Jesus is this morning because he rose from the dead. Had he not been raised by the power of God, he would have just been lost in history, in time, like any other dead man. Another failure that Romans had hung upon one of their crosses. But he is alive. (laughs) So you and I have Christmas. You and I have all the wonderfully exciting things that a living Lord can offer. I don't have to search. You don't have to look for one big event after another because daily your life can be that big event with Jesus as being the Lord of your life. That's what the Easter glory is. That's what the power of resurrection is about. Do not try to sustain any relationship based on awareness of a person or possessing information about a person. You cannot possibly do that. That is no way to relate to one another. Suppose I say to you, you know that, you know that uh, lady over here uh, in, the, in the green dress? You know the man over here in the, in the blue sports shirt? And you say, oh yeah, yeah, I know them. Well, tell me about them. Tell me about them. Introduce me to that person. Well, we go to the same church. We go to the 11 o'clock service. She sits on the uh, right side of the congregation. He sits on the left. Uh, I see them once in a while at uh, at the grocery store. We say hello. Why, not long ago, uh, we were out to eat and we were at the same restaurant. Are you telling me you know one another? Of course not. That's not knowing. That's not relationship. That's having some awareness that one another exists. That's having a little bit of information about one another. But that is not knowing. I know Pat, my wife this morning. I know her better this morning than the day we were married. She knows me better than the day we were married. I am confident and I am convinced of her love for me and she of mine for her. You know why? It's a simple answer. We live together in caring, considerate intimacy for one another. We've really gotten to know one another. We relate. 
That's what relationship is. I don't want Pat to just tell me she loves me. I want her to hold me in her arms and I want to hold her. I want to kiss her. I want to walk hand in hand through our community, taking our walks. I want to sit at table with her. I want to be with our children and their significant others with her. It's what relationship is. You want that. You want that with your significant other, with your children, with your spouse. Do you want it with Jesus? Do you want it with Jesus? That is the most important question for your life. In this text, Paul used the verb know. It's a powerful verb in the Greek language. Four letters. The word know means, listen to this, experiential and personal. Experiential and personal. It means, to take it into the deeper meaning of the word, it means equally shared life. Equally shared life. I have the privilege right now of, of working with, with four young couples preparing them for marriage. And we're, we're talking about how important it is to understand in their relationships that their love will not sustain their marriages. It will be their marriage. What they do in living together. How they act toward one another. How they argue. How they disagree. It will be the marriage that sustains the love. The love will not sustain the marriage. We can say, I love you a hundred times a day, but every time we say it, the other person is going to be looking for the truth of those words. Relationship with God through Christ is what the great Apostle Paul was writing about. That's what he put pen to parchment for and sent this letter off to the church at Philippi. It's a marvelous letter. And he says, I want you to be in a life with Jesus that is equally shared. I want you to be in a life with Jesus that is experiential, that is personal. And then he says, I want you to understand that if you are, you will be found in him. You will be discovered. You will be located. You will be positioned. You will be postured in Jesus if you do that. 
vital, enduring relationship is sustained by full confidence in the other person. The Bible tells us that that is how we come into the righteousness of God, understanding that it is not by ritual and ceremony and good deeds of the flesh that I am made right with God. I want to practice the, 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 the traditions of my faith, the rituals of my faith. I want to participate in the worship of God with believers. I want to do the good works of the flesh. But here's why. Not to, not to earn recognition with God. I want to do those, Paul says. As an offering of love to him. For who he is. For what he has done for me. The great apostle understood that because Jesus was alive, he could be more alive than he ever had been in his life. You see, when the risen Christ is desired, when you seek him, when you, you pursue him, then we are going into the, into the relationship which God wants us to have, which God wants us to have. God wants us to have a total dependence upon Jesus. I have no righteousness because I'm your pastor. The worship team has no righteousness because they are the worship team of Yorkshire Church. Our wonderful choir has no righteousness because they're good singers. Their righteousness is only through relationship with Jesus Christ. Because of that, I preach. Because of that, they sing. Because of that, you're here to worship and praise him this morning. Now you say, can you explain that a little bit more? Yes, I can. <laughs> I'm going to do it by taking you right to the word of God. And I want you to hear, I want you to follow along from Romans chapter 3, verses 21 to 26. But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance 
God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. All that you do, all that you do should be your love gift to God for Jesus. You've got his attention. Don't try to buy it. Don't try to say to God, hey, look me over. He's already done that at the cross. He saw what you need. You need a Savior. You need a Lord to lead you. And you need, every day now, the power of resurrection in your life. That potential, that possibility, is what we are about this Easter morning. That's why I want to do, and you should want to do, what Paul wrote about to the Philippians in chapter 3 of this letter, verse 10. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Deep, deep knowledge through intimacy with Christ is what the apostle says we can have. And I hope it's your desire to possess that, to be invested and involved with Jesus in that deeply personal, experiential way. That having that relationship, you know dramatic and graphic presentations of his power in your life. That you do become willing to become part of his sufferings, that you are willing to stand for righteousness, that when there is any question of what is right or moral, you stand on the Jesus side. And if you are criticized, if you are ridiculed, then it's part of his sufferings. But you do that. And the result of you doing that is Easter glory bursting forth in your life, illuminating you, brightening your days, taking away the dark, dull sameness that some of you are tired of putting up with. That happens when we only allow ourselves to be satisfied 
with the routine of ritual and ceremony and good works by flesh. But when we rise up in the faith that is strong, that is a winning faith, the faith that makes us more than conquerors in Christ, then we stand in the face of whatever the opposition may be. And we stand strong because we are His. We have been found in Him. The power of the resurrection is our strength. And we move on from victory to victory in assurance and confidence that our Lord is delivering to us His own strength. That He is present that he is taking us with him. We're following him. We're going to soar where he is so that when that day comes that we see him face to face, it will be a day of glory. Now we're going to finish worship by you praying for yourself and my praying for you. That resurrection power is going to just flow into you. It is not going to be restrained. It is not going to be blocked in any way. But this morning, we're all going to say, Lord Jesus, come in the fullness of the victory of Easter day. And draw me into that power, into that flow, that I soar with you in triumph. Help me to stand in times of testing and trial. Those times when I feel that I want to blend in rather than stand apart. Lord Jesus, I want the power of your resurrection to enable me to be your woman, to be your man. And every time I have the infusion of that power, I will get to know you more. I will love you more completely. And I will have a sense of victory and confidence about myself in you that I've never had before be found in him and the power of his resurrection. Let's pray. Now our Father and our God, we ask your blessing upon us in these closing moments of worship that in sincerity of heart with, with every earnest desire, we tell you that we no, want along, want, no longer want to have days of, of sameness, days with, without change, days of ruts and routine. But we want your presence to so fill us that even when days are, 
are ordinary when nothing spectacular happens, but they've just been days without complication. They've been good days. We give you thanks and praise because we know that walking centered in your will, having given our hearts and minds to you, you are sustaining, you are keeping us. We are found in you and in the power of your resurrection. Lord, if there are among us this morning those who have some fault, some weakness, some failure in their life, draw them by your Spirit to this time of confession that they may separate themselves from that and with fresh new desire and intent be yours. Name you as Savior, call you as Lord, and open themselves, mind and heart, to receive resurrection power. Let that, O oh God, be what we desire, what we want, what we seek today, and every day after this day, until that moment, we see you face to face. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen.